Mr. Eric, thank you so much. Um, sin died where the blood fell. I am so glad. I'm so glad. Thank you. Here's the other thing. He got y'all to talk back to him, so I now know that you were actually capable of doing it. So thank you for another reason. We are um, continuing our study of the Ten Commandments this morning. We're going to be looking at the Fifth Commandment. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and, and start turning over there to Exodus 20, verse 12. You know, when I was, when I was little, 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 I adored my daddy. It was sort of a running joke in our house that when I, was, when I was little, something would break. And it didn't matter what it was or how bad it broke. My response to my mother was always, it okay, daddy fix it. He could do anything. I remember the house we lived at in Shalimar. So when we moved out of there when I was three, so this was, I was little. I remember walking through the living room wearing his sports coat and his dress shoes. And I mean, I'm a big guy, but, but even then I was pretty, I was pretty little didn't really fit. It was great, but something happened around the time. He was so smart, he could do anything, but something happened. It was really strange. So a, a, a marvel of modern medicine. Sometime around the time I was 12 or 13, daddy went from being the smartest person I know to being the dumbest person I knew. Like overnight. The truth is, is that my preteen and early teen years were, were rough. I was not a pleasant person. I was not a particularly godly person. And I will say that things got better when I gave my life to Christ, and things got better when we changed churches and I began to be discipled. But, but Daddy still wasn't all that smart anymore. And then weirdly, right around the time I turned 25, he got smart again. And it's okay, it's okay that, that I'm sharing with you these, these, these personal medical issues that he had because I've told them to his face. You know, we laugh at it, and it is funny. And the truth is, we've, we've sort of come to sort of expect some youthful rebellion, but, but Scripture's pretty clear about this. Scripture's pretty clear about our parents. Will you stand with me as we read God's word together? Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of God. Read it, believe it, and live it. Let's pray. Dear God, as we open your word... As we dive in this morning, I just pray that we would, we would hear what it has to say, not only about our relationship with our parents, but, but, but what it says about you and us and how we're to interact with you, about, about your desires for us and for our lives. And so, God, I just pray that as we continue to study your word, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing to you our God and our King. Amen. 
may be seated. It was one of those things as I sat down and as I was looking at this, I was a little annoyed. Next Sunday is Father's Day. How perfect would it have been for me to preach this commandment on Father's Day? It would have been perfect, right? Y'all would have gotten a Father's Day sermon. We would have continued in the series. But, and I thought about flipping the fifth commandment and the sixth commandment. Alan Taylor suggested that I flip it and see if any of you noticed. But as I was sitting down and as I was studying it, you know, I was thinking about it and I'm thinking, you know, God put his commandments in an order for a reason. And so who am I to put them out of God's order? And as I was reading it and studying this morning, I I realized this, you know, we've we've talked about this. There, There are two tables here of the law, right? And this is the transition from the second table, from the first table into the second table. That first table is all about our vertical relationship with God. Love God, Right? And those, those commandments, those first four commandments are about how we love God, how God has shown us and told us how we are to love him. This, what we talk, what we talk about is the second table of the law starts here with verse six and continue, or verse five, uh, commandment five, and continues through to the end. And these are the, the commandments that are about our vertical relationships. What does Jesus say? All of the law is, all of the law is love God. And love others. On these two things, everything hangs, right? And so the second table, commandments 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, are all about that vertical, horizontal relationship. And as I was looking at this and I was thinking about it, you know, the first commandment sets the stage. It's the foundation for all of the other commandments in that first table. That first commandment is what? Have no other gods before me. That's the ground on which our love of God is built. The same way God takes this fifth commandment, and this is the ground on which our love of others is built. It plays the same role. God's legitimately saying to us, loving others starts at home. Relationship with God, those first four commandments, is the start of covenant and our covenant relationship with him. Relationship in the family is the start of a godly society. You know, family, family is really important. I think we all know family is really important. I was... Just, just, a, just a few minutes ago, was talking about the fact that Audrey's parents are in Pennsylvania. My parents are in Florida. We've got a little one now, and man, we wish they were closer. Some of you are really blessed. I, I love the fact that I come in here every Sunday and preach to multiple generations of the same families. I, I'm, I'm looking right now. I see. One, two, three, four, relation, four generations of one family right now. I see three generations of a family on the back row. That's awesome. Do you all know how rare that is in churches? We love family. Family is one of the core values of this congregation. I've come to believe that over the last three and a half years. It's one of the core values of this community. Family is important. 
And we know family's important, sort of intuitively, but I don't think we've ever thought about why it is important. A number of years ago, back in the 80s, a woman named Annie Gottlieb, who was of that 60s baby boomer generation, wanted to figure out why it was that that time was so, in her words, special and magical. And so she goes and she interviews a, a bunch of her generational cohorts. And she decided that the great thing about them, and this is a quote, they were the generation that destroyed the American family. She continues, we might not have been able to tear down the state, but the family was closer. We could get our hands on it, and we believed that the family was the foundation of the state as well as the collective state of mind. We truly believed that the family had to be torn apart to free love, which alone could heal the damage when done when the atom was split to release energy. The first step was to tear ourselves free from our parents. And again, I'll offer to you, this is offered and written as a positive thing. You know, repressive regimes often try to undermine the family. There are lots of stories in the USSR and in communist China of the state encouraging kids to, to inform on their parents. You go and you look at, at stories of the cultural revolution in, in Mao's China, and there are pictures of, of children beating their own parents because they, they think the wrong thoughts. They're not good soldiers of the revolution. See, they, they want to sever the most natural of relationships. Is there a relationship more natural between two human beings than between that of a child and its parents? They want to create social disorder. If you sever those relationships, you break society apart. You create social disorder, and then what happens? The state or whoever can move in and, and impose an order, create an order. They want to make sure that the, uh, the allegiance is to the state and that the state becomes the building block of society and not the family. See, this is, this is part of the point of the commandment, is to, to show and for God to show how important, how fundamental, how foundational the family is. You know, we can often talk about honor your father and mother and and I know when most of us were really little, we may have heard that. And basically what it meant was sit down, shut up, and clean up your toys. And the truth is, there is, that is in the commandment. The commandment is not less than that. But the commandment, as the things of God so often are, is so much more than that. See, God knows this truth. That human beings and that civilizations don't flourish apart from social order and trust and mutual respect. And that all of those things are built on the family. And that's why Satan and the world are so eager to break down and tear down family. Augustine of Hippo said it this way, if one fails to honor his parents, is there anyone 
he will spare? You know, Scripture over and over again takes very seriously this commandment. You know, you, you, you have these commandments, these Ten Commandments, and then most of the rest of the law is sort of the exposition on this. How does that play out? The, the jots and the tittles of the law, figuring out how these commandments play out. We see it in Leviticus 29. If anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father or mother. His death is his own fault. Or in Deuteronomy 21, we read this. Verse 18, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father or mother and does not listen to them even after they discipline him, his father and mother are to take hold of him, bring him to the elders of his city, to the gate of his hometown, and they will say to the elders of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious, he doesn't obey us, he's a glutton and a drunkard, then all of the men of the city will stone him to death. You must purge evil from you. And all Israel will hear and be afraid. Can I just say really quick that when I was 21 years old, I'm really glad my parents didn't read that verse. But God takes it seriously. Scripture, God's word, takes this commandment seriously. It is is foundational. In light of that, let's think, let's just pause for a moment. Let's take a quick aside and think about that story of the prodigal son. This is the culture that the prodigal son and, and, and his father were living in. When, when the prodigal son comes back from a far country, the father would have well been in his right to take him by the ear down to the city gate and have him stoned to death. But what does the father do? Welcome home, my beloved son. Here's a robe. Here's a ring. Here's the barbecue. If they were in Robinson County, it'd be barbecue. If disobedience to our earthly father and mother is deserving of death, How much more is disobedience to our Heavenly Father deserving of death? That's that's it. We deserve death. I I don't think we wrestle with that enough. I think we, we give lip service to it. I think we talk about it. But I don't think we really sit with it. We are not good. In our own power, in our own strength... We deserve nothing less than eternal wrath, condemnation, death, and punishment from the Father. That's what we deserve. And yet what we get is God's grace. Because sin died where the blood fell. Grace gives us life. As we think about what it means to to honor our father and mother, we need to work, look at that word honor. The word, the Hebrew word there is kaved. And I apologize for my Hebrew pronunciation; it is not good. But it's kaved, honor, and it, it means glory or or weight. There's a there's a weightiness. To it. You know, the opposite of honor is dishonor. The opposite of, of some, to be something being weighty would be something lightly. 
right? Something light. We're being told here is that, is that we are not to treat this relationship in the family lightly, as if it doesn't matter. You know, to be a parent is, is a weighty thing. Over the last 11 and a half months, I've learned that. I knew it. I'm living it. God takes fathers and mothers and, and he puts this weight on them, this responsibility. Just as he takes all of our leaders and authorities and he puts this weight on them. And that's the thing. This, this example, this, this foundation of honoring your father and mother, it plays out larger and larger and larger in God's scheme and God's design for the world. Over and over again in Scripture, we see that, that we are to submit to appropriate authorities. One of, one of perhaps the, the most controversial is the household codes in Ephesians, in Ephesians 5. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in fear of Christ. Wives. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. There's a mutual submission there. Wives are to submit to their husbands, but the, but the husbands are to, are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? <laughs> totally and completely and totally sacrificially. A little while later in that same passage, he's talking. I will also point out here, and I'm just going to throw this out there because I'm still young enough to feel like you know, the young person in the room. He also says a little while later, you know, fathers don't intentionally antagonize your kids. That's also part of the honoring your father and mother thing. It's being someone worthy of honor, not intentionally antagonizing your parents, or your kids, excuse me, or intentionally antagonizing your parents for that matter. He continues, and he, and he says a little while later in 6.5, he says, Slaves, doulos, servants, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. Paul's saying, I don't understand it. I don't know why that you are in that position, but you are in that position. God has put this human master over you. Submit to them as you would to Christ. In Hebrews, we're told this, Hebrews 13, 7, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. Honor your leaders. In 1 Peter 5, 5, In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Titus 3, 1, Remember them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Romans 13 talks about us submitting to earthly authorities. 1 Peter 2.17, honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, and honor the emperor. The emperor who's trying to kill you, the emperor who's trying to stamp out your religion, the emperor who's trying to crush you, honor him. Because no one has authority apart from the authority that they are given by God. Are there limits? Are there limits to this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Authority can always be abused. 
You know, we're told to obey God. But what happens when God tells us to obey authority? What happens if those two things come in contradiction? What if by obeying man we're disobeying God? Well, here's the, the, the easy answer. Obey God. The, the, the first of those, obeying God, always takes over because that vertical relationship should mediate, influence, and define our horizontal relationships. You know, there's also a limit here. Scripture tells us a man is to leave his father and mother and cleave himself unto another, and they are a new thing. They are a new unit. Now, I'm not saying that you get married, you leave the house, that allows you to be disrespectful to your parents. I'm not saying, parents, that your kids can be disrespectful to you once they've left the house and gotten married. But I'm saying maybe some of it is changed a little bit. Maybe your, your 25-year-old, when they come home with the grandkids, um, don't have to jump when you say, pick up the toys. I mean, at 25, you should be picking them up anyway. But You know, in our, in our, own, in our own culture, this, this idea of obedience and submission to authority is, is, is a problem. You know, in some cultures, it's, it's the opposite. In some cultures... There are, there are parents who expect their children on up into their 60s and 70s if their parents are still living to do anything the parent asks of them the parent says for them to do. In our culture, that's not the problem. In our culture, we've got the opposite problem, don't, don't we? We have a, a total suspicion of any authority, of any, of any position like that. But yet, what God's saying here, honor your father and mother. That's the start. And that's a reflection of how you're to treat everyone that I have put in authority over you. He goes on. He, he gives us this why, right? He says, to, because you want long life. Because you'll get long life in the land. Now, I, I don't think here that he's talking about chronology. I mean, we, we've entered the time in Scripture in which people are not living hundreds of years. This isn't a a statement of chronology. This is a statement about abundant life. Remember what does Christ say? I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. This is a statement about abundant life. This is a statement about about living within God's design to receive all of the blessings that God's design gives us. It's it's a promise. And I I think we have this issue sometimes. I think sometimes we see promises and we think that they work like, okay, well, now this is a checklist, and if I do these things, I earn the points, and, and then I can, you know, take the points and turn them in for the good stuff. But what God's promises are is what God's promises is, it's a recognition of how God's already designed the world. It's not an, oh, I do this and I get points, but it's a, this is how God made me and this is how this works. And so when I put myself under God's authority, submit myself to God and his design, things work the way they're supposed to. And we have life abundantly. There are other limits. We talked about relationships and authority can be abused. And sometimes that means that people can be abusive. 
And I just want to step and step back here for a second. If you are someone who has or been in an abusive relationship with your parent or with anyone in authority over you, that authority is not being exercised in a godly way. That person has abdicated their authority over you by refusing to use it in the way that God intended for it to use, and you have no obligation to submit yourselves to them. I just want to be really clear on that. I do think we have an obligation to be kind. I think we have an obligation not to, like, you know, run people over with a car. But, but we have no obligation to let abusers run all over us. Because the vertical relationship mediates the horizontal relationship. And the love of the Father is never abusive. The love of the Father is only ever gracious and giving. He can be a stern father, but he does not take the son by the ear to the city gates. He says, welcome home. Honor your father and mother. The, the place of the family in God's design is central. In fact, God shows us right here, the family is the second most important in his design, thing in his design after our relationship with him. Audrey and I talk about this a lot. Our commitments go like this. God, each other, our child, the rest of our family, and then you. I love you, but you're not first, or second, or third, or even fourth. I mean, you still you made the top five. Because if any of those relationships above are disordered, the relationship below can't work. If my relationship with God, if that vertical relationship is off, my relationship with her is off. If my relationship with her is off, my relationship with my child is off. If my relationship with my wife and my child is off, the relationship with the rest of my family and with you is off. God has an order and a design for life. And we are promised abundant life when we get into God's design, when we recover and pursue God's design for our life. But the only way we can do that, we cannot do it apart from his grace because we are rebellious children who, as uncomfortable as it makes makes us feel to say it, we are rebellious children who deserve to be taken by the ear to the city gate and stoned. But God, but God, in his grace and his mercy, welcomes us home. Our hymn of invitation is going to be, the next hymn is 505, and the name I can't remember right now.